Now, researching family history can take you down all sorts of roads and uh, people find, maybe some find skeletons in the wardrobe, some people find happy things, some people find they're related to royalty, some people find that maybe not so much royalty. Well, Rowena Riley started digging into her family history. She didn't find skeletons. Do you know what she found in the, in the wardrobe? She found a shipwreck. It's a fascinating story, and it's featured in tomorrow's Southern Stars, which Southern Star, which of course uh, is published in uh, the offices, or in, I think in Skibbereen, if I remember correctly. Rowena O'Reilly is on the line now to tell us more. Good morning. Hey, Rowena. Good morning, Shane. How are you? I'm great, and you? And where are you speaking to us from? Uh, from the edge of Dartmoor, Devon. <sighs> Oh, in, in beautiful Devon. And I, I was talking to Mark Wogan yesterday and there was weather warnings all over the United Kingdom yesterday. How's the weather today? Oh, well, it's calming down now. The sun is at last out. It's been pouring with rain everywhere. There's lots of floods going on. But, um, not here. Do you know lots of people go on holidays to Devon? Irish people go on, on uh, holidays to Devon. I've met many people over the years who've been there and particularly uh, visits to Dartmoor to see the, uh, the amazing landscape and the ecology. Ah, Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So you're very. It's a popular, popular place. Now, we'll get to your researches and discoveries in in, in just a few moments. But give us a little bit about uh, your background, because you may have had maybe a superpower or skills in researching that other people wouldn't have. Uh, yeah. Well, I am. Um, I was a museum ed- uh, curator of education. So I worked in museums, uh, developing exhibitions, and and researching and 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 leading learning and education with people. And then a heritage consultant, so then I do the whole, the same thing uh, sort of privately. What does a heritage... Uh, helping people, helping communities really, research their local history and then develop exhibitions and stuff. So yes, yeah, so I had all of that okay. uh, behind me to help me in my research. And then I suppose like all of us, when you're sitting around the, the kitchen table, there are stories told and, and grandparents will tell stories and uncles and aunts will fill out various bits of stories. You heard a story from uh, your dad. That's right. And the story was very short. It was that my uh, great-grandmother, his grandmother, had been shipwrecked as a small child on the coast of County Cork, that she was the only survivor, that the ship came from the East Indies, which is what they called the South China Seas back then, um, and that she was tied to a clothes chest. She was about three or four years old, and she spoke French. And then she was adopted by an Irish family. And really, that was all they knew. That, that's the extent of what you had? That's what I had. Well, my father was very cynical about it. And, uh, you know, he, he, didn't, he wasn't sure that he believed it. But then my father didn't know much about history. Okay, so you decided this, this might be a little project for you? Yes, because um, um, the idea that uh, it was to cover up an, an illegitimacy didn't really seem to hold water because I have other... English ancestors who were illegitimate and everybody just said, oh, your parents died, which is the obvious thing to say if you don't want people to ask any questions. And, you know, people, you know, died in the 19th century for many causes at all ages. What you don't do is come up with a really weird story that's very fascinating. So I decided I would see at least if it was likely and whether I could find the shipwreck. So where, where do you uh, so what I did was I gave myself um, a period of the 1860s and early 1870s since she married young in 1883 um, and looked through every shipwreck that I could find on the coast of Cork that might possibly fit. And there was just the one. Oh, OK. And where, where, where do you look for those records? Where would shipwreck records be? Well, I started quite a long time ago. So I was, um, um, it was before... Uh, 
20, 2008 that I started because that's uh, in 2008 I got the records of the the Joseph Sprott uh, from the um, University of Newfoundland, which is where they keep the records. Um, but and back then they, 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 there wasn't everything that was online that there is now, and so there's a there's a book called the Shipwreck Index of Ireland by the Larns. And so I went through that and then I checked everything else. And then gradually, of course, more and more things have come online, including all the newspapers and Lloyd's List. And I went and looked at Lloyd's List and the insurance um, records and, and started there, really. And the, But this particular ship fit the, fit the profile, fit the dates, fit the type of ship it might have been, the Joseph Sprott. The Joseph Sprott, which came from the Philippines with a cargo of sugar. And it was actually headed for Cork, although for a long time we thought it was going somewhere else because there was a mistake in the record. But um, it is absolutely the only ship that was shipwrecked on the coast of Cork, you know, for decades that came from the from the South China Seas. So that fitted at all. And I was looking for a ship that not only fitted the story, but one where it was at least conceivable that somebody could survive. So if a ship was wrecked, you know, miles out to sea, obviously nobody's going to survive that. And this was the one that fitted. So that's when then I got the at least the final account of crew, what they knew about the crew and where the ship was made and, and those kinds of things. But it wasn't really until uh, 2016 that I came over um, to the Long Strand, the Clonakilty, where the ship wrecked. And, you know, I just arrived, I didn't know a soul, and I just walked up and down, and I kept asking people, Would you, have you heard about the Joseph Sprott? <laughs> because nobody had, and they just kept saying, oh, I needed to go and talk to Gerald Butler, you know, the ex-lighthouse keeper from the Galley Head. Um, so I went to talk to Gerald, and then we sat down and went through what I had and the newspaper reports from the time that I had, and talked about tides and how it all worked. And then the research went on from there. But really, at that point, I realised I, I needed to know not only a lot about the ship and shipping and what would have been going on in, in the Philippines, but I needed to really understand the local history, who was living where, what was going on, what happened to wreck, in order to piece together the story. So, you know, it's many years' research, gradually, you know, unveiling things and then and tying it all up. And what you're saying is that, that certain leads that you had some went to a dead end, but some actually started to be backed up. I'm fascinated by a child tied to a trunk. That seems really unlikely. Oh, well, that's, it's not unlikely at all. By a trunk, we mean a, a clothes chest. Um, because if you, there were lots and lots of children at sea. Some of them were travelling. Everybody travelled by ship in, in the 19th century. But there were also lots of uh, families of captains, their wives and their children. You know, be, children be born at sea. And what do you do with a small child, a toddler in a storm? When everything is being thrown around the ship, well, you just tie them down. You strap them down to a bed. You strap them on a clothes chest. So that's, uh, that, which seemed unlikely to me, proved to be common practice. So how do you get then to, to the child? How do you try to find a name or find the, uh, where, what happened to that child? Where, where, where the child landed, how it was rescued, who, who rescued the child? Well, all we had was that in the family, all we had was the fact that she had married and on her marriage certificate, she had written down Patrick Thornton, farmer deceased, and we had the story. So I was looking for a Patrick Thornton, a farmer in Cork, um, but actually, when he farmed, that was later. At the time, he wasn't. So I managed to find some Patrick Thorntons in Cork, but only one fitted, one one who was married, 
who married Margaret Flynn in Ringerskiddy, whose father was a Coast Guard boatman and also ran a coal, coal yard there. And then when the, the marriage record was digitised, it came up that Patrick Thornton was a prison warder on Spike Island, oh. which surprised me. <laughs> um, but then I had quite a lot to go, and I still didn't understand how the only ship that, that, that matched could possibly be connected to somebody up in Ringerskiddy. Now, from the newspaper reports of the wreck, it's quite clear that the ship came ashore around one or two in the morning, and then there was a big gap before anybody informed the Coast Guard. And in the meantime, people were going down to the beach in the dark and taking boxes off the beach. So, so they were you know, taking what was being washed up from the ship and taking it away. And the reason that they were there in the storm in February in the dark was because another ship had wrecked a little a few days earlier, and that ship had sunk with silver dollars slightly over the other side of Galley Head, but it also had lots of cotton bales, and as these cotton bales uh, bobbed up from the ship, they would then wash ashore. So people were just walking the coast in the night to see anything they could find. About four in the morning, somebody informed the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard arrived, and then he could find see nobody on the, sh- on the ship, which was only 100 yards from the shore at that point. Um, and there was a longboat upside down but empty on the beach, so he just went away again. And then it, when the dawn came up, then all the, the ship broke up very rapidly, and all the stuff from the ship was driven ashore. Now, when I discovered that Patrick Thornton was a, a prison warden on Spike Island, um, I then had more details about him, and I went to uh, the National Archives in Dublin and went through the prison warder records, which they had there because they didn't burn down with the office. They were kept in a Dublin castle. So I peeled through all these records of, of prison warders until I finally, finally found Patrick Thornton, and then I had his application papers and discovered that he came from the same family that Minnie, we knew Minnie, left when she went to London uh, to work and to marry Joseph Maley. So it was all put together. But you still had the problem of how on earth, why would Minnie, at the age of three or four years old, having been, presumably been taken off the, off the beach by one of the people who were taking the boxes away because it doesn't appear in any of the newspapers. Why did that, uh, why did she end up with the Flynns and with Patrick Thornton up in Ringerskiddy and on Spike Island? And the answer there is to do with what happened when ships wrecked along the Cork coast in the 19th century. And when, when ships wrecked, and there were thousands of wrecks back then because it's before the Merchant Shipping Act came in that regulated loads and before lighthouses, well, the lighthouse was built on, galley, on the galley head. Most of the local population would just dive down onto the beach to get whatever they could because they were very, very poor and they considered it their right you know, to take stuff that's being washed up from the sea. And, but the local gentry would come and get involved as well because they would try and protect the ship and then auction whatever they could salvage. But they didn't do that out of the goodness of their hearts. They did that because then they could whack in enormous fees to the insurers and get paid for being salvers. So there was good profit to be made from a shipwreck all round. And we know from, from my research into the local people there that the three generations of Galways had been involved with wrecks 
um, at the time. It's the family uh, because one of them because they had worked as Lloyd's agents for the shipper, shipping insurers, and also the local magistrate Henry Baldwin Beamish was deeply involved in shipwrecks as well, um, because there had been a board of trade wreck inquiry into a shipwreck about four years earlier. And that in that wreck inquiry, it was quite clear that Beamish was up to his neck in wrecking this particular <laughs> ship and making sure it wasn't seaworthy and profiting from it. Um, but it, he and the local gentry really took offence from how the English uh, investigators had behaved. So from that point on, they communicated not at all about any wrecks on the coast. So when well, we go back to my, uh, my great-grandmother, when my great-grandmother was found on a, on a clothes box on the beach, none of the people who were taking the boxes off the beach would have gone to the police or to the, or to the uh, normal authorities uh, because they would be prosecuted for theft. But they could take her to the Galways, and we know that Miss Annie Galway spoke French, and my great-grandmother as a child only spoke French. Okay. And the Galways were in cahoots with Beamish, who was a local magistrate. So it would have been quite normal for them to take her to him and say, what are we going to do with this child? And then he could then do something about arranging adoption. So you now, think... up at Ring of Skiddy, are you happy for me to carry on talking? Yeah, I'm quite... You can talk. I love it. Um, it's great. But I, I just want to... Because obviously we, we, our time is a little bit against us, but it, it, yeah. Minnie was then adopted, we think, by Patrick Thornton. Um, and you've established yes, that link with the, with the Beamish family. With the Beamish family, because uh, Henry Baldwin Beamish's nephew, Dr. Thomas Beamish, was the doctor and the registrar up at Ring the Skiddy. So the connection was there. I think, uh, and people, the other con- there are other connections as well, but I won't go into all of that. For people who are, are researching, and when you found those official records, when you find that somebody is a prison officer or somebody has worked for the government at some stage, whatever government it might be, it's a bit like gold, isn't it? Because there's definitely more than likely going to be proper records as well. But do you believe the story? After all of your research, do you believe that that, that was the story? That, that uh, Minnie Absolutely was the, that child of the shipwreck? Uh, yes, absolutely I do, because um, although there's no official paper, there could never be an official paper that said Minnie was adopted because there was no official adoption until the 20th century. So all adoption was done casually anyway. Um, I believe it because to come up with that many coincidences <laughs> all the way through, you've got a perfect ship that matches the story in every way. You have a Patrick Thornton, who is part of the same family that we know from other records that Minnie left in, in, in Ireland when she went to England. He's part of the same family. Um, and I have a, a letter uh, that, that shows that, that was a reply to my great-grandmother from the local priest about that family. And through all those records, you could find it. And so, uh, the, you know, it's actually impossible for it not to be true now, even though it seemed so wildly, <laughs> kind of unlikely at the start. It's a great, it's a great story, Rowena, really, really great story. Look, you have, the, you have the ear of the Irish people now. Can you, are there other things you'd like to know? Maybe people have records, maybe there are people listening in that part of the country or other parts of the world, actually, who may have a little bit more information. What are the things you'd like to know now? 
There is one thing that would be fascinating if one could discover it. In the uh, things washed up from the wreck, there were clothes, a woman's clothes, a black silk taffeta coat, a black lace shawl, things like that. But there was also one body who was washed up who was not a, a sailor. He had quite good clothes on. He had good quality trousers and a check shirt and a muffler. And in his pocket, the only thing that anybody had left in his pocket was his pocket knife. And on that pocket knife were engraved engraved the initials, either RTI or RTG. And the reason that the uh, reporter who put that in the paper couldn't tell the difference between the I and the G is because it would have been engraved in copper plate. And in copper plate, it's quite difficult to tell the difference between those two letters. So if anybody has got a relative who might have been coming from the South China Seas around 1870... Who has who went missing? Um, who has initials RTI and RTG? That would be fascinating to discover. One of one of our listeners, um, Rowena, has just asked: Would DNA be of any use? Well, we've already had DNA tests done. Um, we couldn't ha- do uh, the sort of father to son DNAs because this is uh, my father, and we were all girls, so I have six sisters. But my most of my sisters and I had our DNA done for the autosomal tests, which tell you which part of the world you come from. And uh, one of my sisters has over 33% French DNA, and another sister has French DNA too. When you inherit from your um, great-grandparents, you don't all inherit the same amount. So it's mixed. You 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 mean that you have great-grandparents that you may not inherit anything at all from. That's because of the way that DNA works, um, because you only inherit 50-50% from either parent. But anyway, that is the only member of our of our family. She's, Minnie is the only ancestor that we know of who was French. So that was another um, thing that, that uh, proved, really, that the story was true. Well, if people want to read more about it, it's, the story is being published and, and featured tomorrow in the Southern Star newspaper, which is published in the West Cork area and a wonderful newspaper it is too. Thank you for coming on, Rowena Riley, for, for telling us your story and we wish you well. And if you have any updates, keep in touch and let us know. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you, is there any way they can do that? Uh, yes, uh, uh, by email. So Rowena dot riley at gmail dot com well there we go marina riley have a good day thank you very much